Welcome to the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tate. We have a great show for you this week. The main event is a conversation I taped in Las Vegas with producer, director, choreographer, and magician Holly England. Nick Lacapo joins me to discuss the featured download of the week from John Bannon. But before all that, the show kicks off with Jeremiah Zuo joining me for the top five under five. Jeremiah Zuo, thanks so much for joining us on the Penguin Magic Podcast for the top five under five. Uh, I, in, in no particular order, I am very interested in your top five tricks in under five minutes. Let's start with number five. Number five would probably be um, Pitt Hartling's Finger Flicker or the kind of prop version of that, which is a John Armstrong's The Pl- Tiny Plunger. Oh, man. I, I love Tiny Plunger. I'm irritated by how good it is. But the Pitt Hartling version is, uh, is also really interesting. Uh, have you been perform- I mean, how long have you been performing that particular trick for? Uh, I've been doing that trick for, it's got to be at least 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just a fantastic uh, bit of magic. And, and, and the, the added, the, the prop and the, the plunger, uh, it's, it's one of those few times that I, I think that really uh, elevates it. Um, it it's, it's a fantastic yeah, it's irritatingly good is the, is, is the way I think of it because it, there's a line that John uses in it where he says, I'm sorry, but this is the greatest thing you're ever going to see is <laughs> such an appropriate line because after you bring out that tiny plunger and do that routine, audiences don't want to see anything else. Yeah. That's great. Uh, give me number four. Uh, number four would be just off the top of my head, another Pitt Hartling trick, uh, Chaos, that he, he published in his... Uh, little green lecture notes and I it's a apparent mathematic trick that ends up not seeming to be a mathematic trick at all and just I, fantastically fun presentation I'm, I'm actually not familiar with this trick for our listeners can you tell us what actually happens so you uh, have a one spectator think of a red card one spectator think of a black card and then you have an apparently shuffled deck and you ask them to switch their positions in the deck without you looking so that you don't know what the cards are. And you purportedly say that because the cards are switched, you can now find the card because it's they're off and you, all you have to do is activate a strict mathematical system. And so you begin dealing in piles in a way that yeah, you might expect. So like, okay, maybe he's sorting the cards. But then you just start dealing ra- randomly and haphazardly and chaotically. So it quickly becomes apparent, like, I mean, he's not keeping track of anything. You start smashing the cards together. So it, it really seems like as you claim to be doing a math trick, uh, it's they, the audience starts laughing because they realize there's no math involved. And then you're still able to find the cards at the end. It's oh, really fantastic. That's fantastic. And that's in uh, his little green lecture notes? Little green lecture notes. All right, let's move on to number three. Number three would have to be... Uh, John Allen's silent treatment. Wonderful effect. It is. So much fun. I think it's the last like kind of big purchase I made for Magic. The last time I purchased something think, specifically thinking, I am adding that to paid performances. Mm-hmm. I, I want to use that for paying audiences. It's uh, If you've never seen John Allen's silent treatment, you really need to check it out because... Uh, when the when that card comes out of your mouth at the end, it's uh, it's a, it's a real surprise for the audience, and uh, I think Blake Volt has a very interesting take on it as well. That's that's worth a look. Uh, but let's move on to number two. Uh, number two, uh, difficult, but I would say uh, Danny Diortiz's uh, or not uh, recently released. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean that. Oh man, or not is one of those. Danny's magic is getting more and more commercial and simultaneously more and more Danny. And, uh, and or not is an excellent example of that. It is. Uh, let's, uh, we, we got to get it under five minutes. So let's, uh, let's get number one. Number one, uh, it, honestly, in terms of just tricks that I perform, it's a, it's a trick that I published called uh, the four coin trick. I actually did it in my lecture and oh, I so find good. myself doing that more than anything else. It's the four coin trick is a really, really great trick that I think, uh, when your lecture comes out, I think a lot of people are going to start doing it because it's, it's, it's a phenomenal piece of magic, and I, I don't really want to tell the listeners anymore. I think they got to go to your lecture and check it out. 
Yep. It's one of those things that Jack Carpenter said every time he sees the ending, it gets him every <laughs> single time. Well, uh, thanks so much. Those are five fantastic tricks. Thanks so much for joining us here for the Top 5 Under 5. Thank you for having me. Thanks to Jeremiah for joining us for the Top 5 Under 5, which this week is brought to you by Shazam, the podcast that hopes to make itself obsolete. A quick programming note, last week I told you that Josephine Lee episode will be playing when they actually aired the Marissa Mariona episode. Those two got flip-flopped for a variety of technical reasons, but either way, they're both great episodes and well worth a listen. Go check them out. We love everything Kayla is doing over there. Now, on to the main event. Holly England has been a featured dancer and dance captain for the Illusionist Tour. She has worked as an assistant and director for top-name acts like Hans Clock all over the world, and she is a formidable performer in her own right. She also created Booked It, the day planner specifically designed for performers. I caught up with her in January when I was visiting Las Vegas, and now you get to join our conversation. Holly England, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast. I've just met you for the first time, but heard so many wonderful things about you. And uh, you, you were the dance captain with the Illusionists? Yes, many years ago, that's how I kind of started with the show. I was a dancer and then dance captain, but I actually knew all the guys that were the Works Entertainment uh, way before the Illusions even happened because I came over to England uh, in 2009 with a Spirit of the Dance and the producer of the Illusionist, Simon Painter, was actually a fiddle player for Spirit of the Dance to begin with. And um, when I did the UK tour of Spirit of the Dance, my director was Neil Dorwood, who went on to direct The Illusionists. Wow. So yeah, we've we've been uh, <laughs> we've been together for a, a lot longer than even The Illusionists has been around. But. What's interesting to me though is that you are a magical performer and a dancer, and mm-hmm. you're you're putting together the dance for the show so that it serves the magic and not just the visual nature of the dance. Can you talk a little bit about how you put together and, and choreograph something so that it serves a magic show? And that's because I don't know anyone else who's doing this. You're the first. You're the first dance captain, magic dance captain I've ever met. <laughs> um, well, a big thing is not. It's not even really about the dancing. It's about making the dancers into actors or having dancers that are actors, mm-hmm. um, so that they can almost do the the misdirection in a way that it doesn't seem like misdirection. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, just with, with The Illusionist, because it, it originally it was very like steampunk themed. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the choreography was very almost kind of um, a little contemporary and weird. I always say it's a little bit like the, the Wicked dancing and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, yeah, that kind of style lent itself to, you know, you're making weird, strange angles with, with your body as it is. Mm-hmm. And that kind of worked really well for like, you know, disguising things in magic and the way that they could move to like, you know, spin a table mm-hmm. or conceal something that was happening. It's interesting. Cause I think that uh, a lot of people don't understand how hard the assistants work on a large scale show. Cause oh, you, yeah. you assist as well. I was looking at your resume and you mm-hmm. assist Kevin James at the magic castle. Yes. And Raphael and Raymond Crow. It was a great show. <laughs> How did you, uh, oh, so you assisted all three of them at once? Yes. Uh, well, not really Raymond. He's kind of self-sufficient, yeah. but, um, it was, uh, Raphael, the Belgian Raphael. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I worked with him when I toured with Hans Klock, mm-hmm. um, cause he was in the tour with me in yeah. 2008. Um, and so I assisted him with his, uh, bird act. And then, um, also because I'd worked with Kevin James for so long in the illusionist, um, he was doing some new stuff. Okay. And so there were some animals involved. So I had to, um, assist with that part too. Also an animal (laughs) wrangler as well. Oh yeah. Animal wrangler is part of it for sure. What, what, 
what do you think makes a good assistant? Because I mean, you are assisting on a very high level at mm-hmm. this point, so it's it, you, you're not sort of like assisting at like a, a kid's birthday party in a backyard yeah. or something like that. What do you, what do you think it takes to be a good assistant and to serve a show well? Well, it's about making the magic look good and the magician look good, not mm-hmm. necessarily about being like the 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 biggest. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not about putting focus, which is what mm-hmm. I have to tell a lot of dancers when they're new to magic and they haven't been assistants it's like sorry it's not about you right now (laughs) you have to direct everyone's attention to what the magician needs you to direct the attention to that must be an interesting conversation to have with a dancer who has basically been trained their entire life to pull the focus to exactly is it is it help if a dancer has worked with sort of an ensemble like i mean the rockettes is what jumps to my mind just because it's a it's a, that's a group, whereas it's not a like a ballet where where one person might be focused. Yeah, is that typically what you look for? Or um, yeah, it does help. Um, but the the other thing is that you know when the illusionist started and we did have this steampunk mm. theme, each of the dancers had a character. They were still individuals. Okay, it wasn't like the Rockettes where everyone's wearing the same costume mm. and they all have to be the same height and mm. have the same leg length and it has to be here. Mm. So like there there are ensemble numbers that we dance together in, but it's still was very much about having a, a style and a character that was your own mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean it, it does help when uh the the dancers first come and they have worked in an ensemble show um and like you know even with magicians like first of all you have to be a performer to mm-hmm. really like sell what you're doing mm-hmm. um and Really, the dancers in a magic show, they have to sell sell the story of what the magician is trying to tell the audience and, you know, sell the miracle. Um, uh, So, so yeah, it it sometimes more difficult for some people that don't have an acting background when they're just purely dance. Um, because so much of it is, yeah, about, you know, engaging with the audience, but having your own individual character and, and being more focused on the magic rather than how beautiful you're dancing. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds interesting in that like you, you sort of, you make sure the choreography works for the magic, but you, you're focused on different things in this choreography because like the, maybe if you don't hit this particular mark, it it doesn't matter. So long as you have pulled focus to a particular part of the stage while something secret is happening. Yeah. Am I... Exactly. For an example, um, like Kevin James, when mm-hmm. he does the Chaplin number. Okay, yes. The Chaplin doll. Yeah. So, you know, Kevin can do that without any dancers. He can mm-hmm. do it just with, you know, his yeah. team. Yeah. Um, but as soon as we added dancers to the number, like we had originally we had these like old fashioned like um suitcases um that we'd carry on with the body parts inside them yeah. of the doll and we carry and we do with this whole dance routine and then whenever it was the dancer's turn to get their body piece out mm-hmm. all the focus had to be on that person mm-hmm. and then and then it was on the body piece it was not, as soon as they'd handed it off they had to then put all their focus and attention on Kevin and the piece rather than what they were doing. So, so it's transferring that attention. That is really fascinating. It's it sort of reminds me of the like sort of Escano in transit actions, like this like deep sort of Spanish card magic school theory, but being applied to a, a really amazing illusion. Because I've seen the Chaplin thing, mm-hmm. but only like at the castle when it's just like oh yeah, Kevin, small version. Yeah, Kevin in a suitcase and yes. not and not nineteen dancers carrying body parts uh-huh. on. Oh man, uh, that's fantastic. No, but you're doing your own shows now. Sorry to interrupt, but this week the main event is brought to you by John Bannon's The Power of Poker. 
Nick LaCapo join me via Discord to discuss this featured download of the week. Nick, I do think the problem with this show is that we don't talk about John Bannon enough. Who? John Bannon, you know, <laughs> card guy out of Chicago. Oh, only like the the best card uh, card <laughs> packet trick guy of all time. I love John Bannon. He's the best. Yeah, we got to talk about his trick, Power of Poker. Yeah, for sure. Power of Poker is yeah, an amazing it, trick. That's a um, that's a poker deal uh, that he put together that kind of has a magical ending along with it as well. You you know a little bit about it, right? Yeah, I, I love it because it's uh, it's a really great ten card poker deal that involves both the audience making all of the the choices. They get to choose which cards you get, which cards they get, and at the end of it, not only do you win, but there's also a prediction effect at the end of it, which actually just it makes uh, the ten card poker deal so much better. Because like one of the problems with any of those sort of like gambling routines is you can always seem like you're like aha. Uh-huh. I got you. I won again. And that's not always fun. But if it's like, okay, you won, but it was a predicted outcome. Now it's a mentalism effect. So you're really getting two effects for the price of one. That's why John's the best, right? Because he he looked at the poker deal and was like, well, I don't really want that to happen. I mean, so you're, here's here's what you're getting, right? If you're not familiar with what the poker deal really is, it's like, it's exactly what Eric's saying. It's just this, here's a bunch of cards, people. You choose what cards you want. They can sometimes they're face up or face down and you're creating two poker hands and you're going to win no matter what especially because you get the extra like you know the extra knowledge from john bannon he's got a really you know just the way that it's handled is super streamlined and easy to do um but yeah you're exactly right it's too sometimes it it can hurt hurts a little bit eric when you yeah, lose a poker hand. <laughs> yeah, but if it, if it's like more of like a mentalism like card trick, then you're you're on board. And right. it's it's a great it's a great packet trick and also because there's no gimmicks or gaffes, you can actually do it like straight out of a shuffle deck in use. You can just take the cards out, shuffle them up, write your prediction down and then go into John Bannon's Power of Poker and you're going to have a solid trick for everyone. I mean, yeah. it's really great. If you check out the demo, like people are reacting so crazy to this trick. It's so Yeah, good. that's why that prediction's so cool. It's just such a good addition to the 10 part p- card poker deal and all of John's work on it, you're going to get that as well. So, you know, if if you're interested in that sort of thing, man, I mean, how can how can you go wrong with the Power of Poker? That was The Power of Poker by John Bannon, available at penguinmagic.com. And as a thank you for listening to the show, you'll get 25% off The Power of Poker when you enter the discount code PENGUINPOD at checkout. That's PENGUINPOD, P-E-N-G-U-I-N-P-O-D, all one word for a 25% off discount on this amazing card trick from one of the modern masters. Now, back to my conversation with Holly England. Now, but you're doing your own shows now. You're, you're doing your own magic shows. Can you talk a little bit about that? You were sharing with me before we started the podcast, and I wanted to stop you because it sounded really cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, having worked with magician, magicians for so long mm-hmm. and picked up a lot of stuff from mm-hmm. them, um, so many of them along the way even said to me, they were like, you should, you should do your own magic. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, from when I was a dancer to even when I've been resident directing, because, you know, watching the show from the front every single night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of these contracts were like six, nine months. Like mm-hmm. that's that's a lot of time to be studying magicians yeah. and how they work and everything. You, um, you may as well take some of what you've applied. Yeah. <laughs> learned and applied. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I, I kind of just started doing some, like learning some tricks mm-hmm. when, uh, you know, I, w- I was maybe like, 
board in a hotel room and uh you know i'd ask one of the guys to show me something i, I remember like the the to- i was talking about i learned a torn and restored heart routine that yeah. i have with a black heart yeah and the tissue paper that i use for the heart mm. i got from kevin james and he uses it for his snowballs oh no like, way <laughs> still to this day <laughs> so, so you don't even go to the arts and crafts store you just go to well, kevin I, james i will do once it's <laughs> run out but you know <laughs> Um, so I started doing all these little things and then people started suggesting like magic books to me and mm-hmm. DVDs. Um, Louis de Matos, he like gave me his um, floating ball DVD um, and he showed me a load of stuff, um, which was really cool. Cause well, the guys you... sometimes magic jam like at the bar after the show. And so I'd just be there like watching and absorbing anything I could. When you decide to, you know, just get into magic, you don't do this slowly, do you? You just go straight <laughs> to the business. Oh, yeah. I'm just borrowing Kevin James's props. And Louis D'Amato is just giving me things. and uh, Yeah, and, and then Dan Sperry has been a good friend of mine for a long time. Yeah. And, um, uh, and and he's giving me a lot of stuff. He, he's like, oh, like, oh I've, I've got this uh, uh, effect I'm going to send you because I think you could do, I think it's really you. Yeah. Like, you know, because it's all about creating a character. And mm-hmm. like when I was kind of, I, I did a, a touring magic show this year that I got thrown into mm-hmm. As a magician, literally three days before the contract was going to start, it wow. was very last minute. They lost their female magician, mm-hmm. and um, the producer was like, "Hey, we think you can do it. <laughs> we think you can do it. Please yeah. don't let us down." Yeah, can you hold your breath for three minutes <laughs> underwater? <laughs> if you can, you're in. Um, and so I kind of just got, and it had been in my head for a long time, like about you know doing magic and performing magic. But this was kind of that last real push to be like, you know, you, you it, can do it. Yeah. It, I mean, it's going to be it's, next week, but... <laughs> it's, it's do or die now because exactly. you're going, I'm going to accept a contract. I have to go put yes. on a professional show. And, and yeah. you're, who else was on this tour that you were with? Uh, Dan Sperry was on it. Okay. And then a really great close-up magician called Matthew Teague. Oh, yeah. Matthew Teague is wonderful. He is awesome. So, yeah, so you're not only getting thrown into this tour, you're also getting thrown into a tour with a couple of very accomplished magicians. With the greats, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, actually, it was really funny because Matthew Teague, um, being a close-up magician and mm-hmm. being so amazing, you mm-hmm. know, walk around and everything like that, he was coming to me and asking for... Um, kind of advice as mm-hmm. to how to play to a big stage. He hadn't really played on a, on a big stage before. We were playing theatres. Oh, so what advice would you give to someone? Because I know myself, I'm primarily a close-up guy, and I'm starting to move into larger and larger venues, and I can take advantage of proje- video projection systems, but mm-hmm. I think a lot of my listeners are also close-up magicians, so I'm in a very advantageous position, which because I can be extremely self-serving. How, how did you suggest to, to Teague to take it to the stage um well basically i was like you need to use that camera as if that is a real person that's mm-hmm. a real or that's a member of the audience that you're mm-hmm. speaking to look right into it play to it mm-hmm. um you and the way that um kind of learn from yuho jin yuho jin is like the master of mm-hmm. knowing how to use the camera like I, I did, um, we've done a lot of America's Got Talent, mm-hmm. like special guest act appearances and um, just uh, he, he literally takes, almost like he takes the camera in his hands. He directs the camera with his hands, like, and his fingers. Like, you mm-hmm. know how he's just so elegant and dexterous as it is mm-hmm. with his hands. 
But um, yeah. Yeah. For, for our podcast listeners, <laughs> uh, Holly, Holly is going, ooh, with her fingers. <laughs> I'm doing magic cards. Magic hands right now. Yeah. She's baby Yoda-ing. Uh, the... uh, yeah, so, but yeah, watch Yu Ho Jin because mm-hmm. he just directs the camera with his hands and his eyes. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, he's really brilliant and just... Yeah, look look through the lens as if it, mm. that's a person's face in the audience. And so you're you're, de- you're dealing with the camera in a very direct format yeah. and not uh, sort of... Because I know that uh, as an actor, you're supposed to never look at the lens. So you're basically you're telling people to break every single rule that they... <laughs> well, there has to be a mixture though. Like mm-hmm. I'm talking about when the camera is on your face mm-hmm. and then you can direct it. Like he, he, Jin does it with his hands mm-hmm. where he just kind of directs it from his face and takes it down and then the camera follows his hand down and then it goes to the close-up mat or the mm-hmm. close-up table. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the very end, he also uses his hand in the camera shot to mm-hmm. lift the camera back up to his face. Yeah. And then after that camera shot has been got, then he goes to the, the audience in real life mm-hmm. and he turns away from the camera. And it's just, he just does it beautifully. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I told Matthew Teague to have a look at that. <laughs> <laughs> you just need to go woo-woo with your hands and yes. get, get real elegant. Exactly. <laughs> well, uh, that's fantastic. Just sort of uh, jumping back to the, the dance choreography there, uh, you're, you're dealing with dancing and choreography on a very large scale Are you uh, with these multi-ensemble casts. Mm-hmm. Have you dealt with... Uh, sort of choreographing on a smaller scale with like uh, two or three dancers? Well, or... actually, when, when The Illusionist first started, there were eight of us dancers. Mm-hmm. And on the more recent tours, uh, there's only two or four. Uh, well, two two guys, two girls. These are normally. for like the North American tour or the world tour where it's yeah. it's not like they're... Like the Broadway, that cast can like live there. Yes. Yeah. And also right now, I think mm-hmm. on Broadway, they even have like a full dance team because they're doing mm-hmm. using one of the AGT dance mm-hmm. groups to choreograph the a special yeah. kind of magical version of, of a dance. Um, but yeah, it, it is possible to do with less dancers, but they end up having to just, uh, it does get re-choreographed yeah. so that they do more stuff within the show as in like with props. I, I guess what I'm asking is if someone was wanting to start adding dancers to their own team what Mm -hmm. would be a good way to start doing that because you'd mentioned what you're looking for in a dancer but Mm -hmm. like how are you like when should you add a dancer to a a stage illusion or uh, an effect like the 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 chaplain doll i guess how would you how would you start looking at going oh okay it's time to add a dancer here or Maybe I should add two or three to my show. Uh, I think it's when you're starting to play to a certain size venue, Mm -hmm. like a certain size stage. Mm -hmm. Um, And also like how much stuff you do have on your stage. Because, you know, there's like I've just done I'm Magician in Houston and there's uh, only three of us ever on stage. There's Jamie Allen, who's the I'm Magician, who's fabulous. And then um, there's uh, Natalia Mm -hmm. and then there's myself. Mm -hmm. And we are the only people. Um, and we do all of the illusions and we also like a magical assistance where we bring on and off tables and stuff, but it's that whole, like what Jamie's really, really good at is transitions. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, while one of us is bringing something on, the other's taking it off, but it's done in like a seamless way. And the music mm-hmm. is always perfect and timed and the lighting all matches up with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were, we did Chicago last night, last year at the Harris Theatre, which is huge. 
Um, and, and this one was slightly smaller. We were at Z- Zilka Hall, mm. which is like 500 seats, I think. Um, but yeah, it, it, he has massive screens, like two either side, mm. back projected. Um, and I think if there's that much kind of production, mm. it, look, it looks big production on stage, yeah. then you don't need as many dancers, I don't think. But if you have mm. like, if you've got a big empty stage and, mm. and you have a lot of, big illusions in your show then i think that'll be a good time to start adding Ex- sort of an excellent extras. way to fill the stage so that yeah. but you can but now you're using humans to fill the stage so you can get them to do all kinds of secret sneaky stuff exactly can you actually talk about what you're doing with uh, jamie allen and and that because uh i i've worked briefly with jamie allen but i i, I don't think a lot of my listeners know exactly what the eye magician is and, and actually and what you're doing with the show mm-hmm. so i'd be very interested to hear about that um, yeah, I'm a magician. He basically fuses magic and technology, but he does it in a way that I've never seen. Before. Everything in his show is so unique to him. Like, mm-hmm. he does classic effects, but then he'll add, like, projection mapping mm-hmm. on top of it, even, like, with close-up um, card routines mm-hmm. and everything. Um, it's just a really unique way of doing things. Um and I, in the show, I'm just a, what you call a, a, a magical assistant, mm-hmm. I'd say. Because there isn't really any proper dancing in it. Yeah. But we, we do are involved in the illusions. Mm-hmm. So, for example, like we, I was in the clear soaring. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I, I got to learn and perform the um, finale uh, water, water cell. Um, oh, you get switch. to be <laughs> inside the water cell? Yes. Ooh, is that, I, that has to be a little on the terrifying side. <laughs> Um, I, I'm one of these people that I just, I seem to have no fear. Like I did a crossbow act, you know, where I got shot in the face last year. So (laughs) I think that's the thing that has, has been, um, uh, frequent during my magical life is that I don't really have much fear, which which I'm either. We're going to do something incredibly dangerous. Does anyone have Holly's number? (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) That's how it goes. She'll do it. Well, Holly England, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast. It's been great to talk to you, and I look forward to seeing all of the different tours that you were a part of. Thank you very much for having me. It's been fabulous. That's going to do it for this week, kids. Thanks so much to Holly for the conversation, and thanks to you for listening. Next week on the show, I close out my conversations I had in Las Vegas earlier this year with an appearance by my good friend Ben Young. He's appeared on Penn and Teller Fool Us, works on the Matt King Show, and has toured the world performing on military bases for troops serving abroad. It's a great conversation that you are going to enjoy. Before I go, I wanted to remind you about the Sunday night live stream that Nick Lacapo and I broadcast live on Facebook and YouTube every Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern. That show is the best way to talk directly to us while saving money on some of the best magic in the world. Now stay tuned to that space because we will be having an awards show in January. More details are coming soon. As a matter of fact, they're coming every day this week at 2 p.m. Eastern on both Facebook and YouTube. Nick and I are dropping the nominations every day. You got to stick around, and we're revealing some of the biggest nominations this Sunday night. As always, we're a weekly podcast, so be sure to like and subscribe, as well as share your favorite episodes on the social media platform you watch oddly satisfying videos of people mixing paint on. If you wanted to reach out to me about anything on this week's show, you can write a letter to Corbis and then send it to the North Pole, but it just occurred to me that this joke isn't scientifically worked because penguins only live at the South Pole and Corbis is a cartoon, so he doesn't really read letters. You know what? If sudden realizations about the ecological accuracy of your jokes are bothering you, you can always hit me up in, on Instagram at Eric Tate. That's at E-R-I-K-T. A-I-T. From me and everyone else here at the P3 Magic Studios, practice, practice, wear a mask. Mm-hmm.